Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 51. Teens are in here tonight. And so uh, this lesson in particular is going to be applicable to all of us and uh, especially applicable to the teens. So everyone's ears are open tonight and I especially want you all to um, be able to grab something that will be helpful to you in this season of your life. Between 12 and 30, between 12 and 30. How many of you remember when you were 12? Right? So for some of you, it's not, not that long ago, right? But uh, for others of you, well, you've gone on and matured, right? You, you're, you're at that mature age, okay? 12 was a long time ago. We got older. I didn't say it. Um, but nonetheless, between 12 and 30. Let's, let's look here at this, um, at this passage of Scripture and look at these two verses. We'll read them, and then we'll, um, we'll ask God to really help us tonight. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 50. Well, let's go back up to verse number 48. Remember, Jesus is um, uh, away from his parents. They don't know where he is. They're on their way back to their own homeland, and they figure out, oh, he's not with us, and so they run back to Jerusalem they're freaked out because he's not with them. Verse number 48, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou uh, thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Now, this is a 12-year-old saying this, right? But he is the son of God, all right? Now, I would not suggest that any of you Try uh, exact statement, but n- nonetheless, uh, what what a statement he he did he had a he had a mission to be about and he was there for a purpose. If you look back up in verse number forty six, he was there talking to the scholars or the uh, or the the rabbis there in the temple. Let's move on in verse number fifty, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them, and he went down with them. Understand that dynamic. They don't understand what's going on, and, and Jesus is here on earth. He's the God-man in a 12-year-old body, right? And they don't understand all that's going on. They're still this, they don't have the completed revelation. They're, they're still walking through this. Everything's new to them. They realize this is the Son of God. Um, but how this was all unfolding, uh, it says there, they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Verse 50, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these, thing, all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Let's pray. Father, would you guide us? Thank you for the sweet time of prayer that we've been able to have. Uh, Lord, I am reminded that you want to hear us pray. And I'm thankful for as a church body, as we gather together, assemble in this uh, middle of the week that we can pray and just to hear the the voices across the auditorium calling out to you uh, lord i i certainly believe that that is um, an honor to you that you love to hear your people uh, your people here to pray together and so i thank you for that this evening and 
Lord, we ask that you would answer the prayers that were prayed, and we pray them in faith and just believe that you're all-powerful, that you are God, that you are over all, and the burdens that we have you can, you can handle. So we thank you for that. We ask that you'd be our teacher tonight uh, to every, every um, person here, that you would teach us through your word, and that you would help our faith to be strengthened. As you said, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So help our faith to be strengthened tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So Christmas time is that time we celebrate, right, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, taking on flesh, a, the, uh, God himself taking on human flesh. And that's a pretty amazing thought. Philippians chapter 2 helps us understand that was a great humiliation. That was a great condescension. He came down from glory, took on uh, human flesh, but took on uh, flesh as a little baby. Just understand, he went through all the stages of growth that we would all go through. And he went through that willingly. He took on human flesh willingly and delightfully for you and for me. He was truly the God-man. He was fully God, and he was fully man. And uh, he was all that even as a child. He was full, it wasn't like he waited till the age of 12 or 13 to become, um, become God. And there are some religions that um, teach that at his baptism he became God. That is not the case. He is, he is uh, he's eternally God. And he came and took on human flesh. And we believe that very, very strongly. Uh, he had a virgin as a mom, uh, his, his mom's name, Mary. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Matthew that the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. His father was God, and understand that he was not tainted by sin. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But he did not have a human father he did not have sin, and so we're very grateful for that. He is perfectly, 100% holy. He is totally righteous, and by the way, that's a very important thing for us to just remember about God. He's perfectly righteous. You can always count on God to do the right thing. You might not be able to count on one another to do the right thing or someone out in the world to do the right thing. You can always count on God. He will always, always do the right thing, and you might have even experienced hurt at the hands of others, but friends, God always does the right thing, and uh, he does all things well, as, uh, as some of the people said as they stood back and looked at his, at his, uh, at his miracles. He does all things well, and that's our, that's our God. That's Jesus. So we see him at his birth in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 16. Look there with me, Luke 2 and verse number 16. And they came, the, the shepherds came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And I want to just note here that it was shepherds, shepherds, temple shepherds who came in. It was about probably around five miles. They came in uh, to that area and they, they found, they found Jesus lying in a manger. It was temple shepherds, those that were tasked with the responsibility of watching over the temple flocks that would be used for, um, for sacrifices at the temple. I, I think I misspoke. It wasn't five miles from where they were. They were out, out on the outskirts of Bethlehem. It's five miles to the temple, as I understand it. And so they're, 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 these shepherds that were tasked with watching over these sheep were the first ones to get to visit this little baby who is the Lamb of God, which would take away the sins of the world. And so they're there, and they see him, and we, we see that. But it, it, it seems we, we have a little bit of a narrative, but the next time that we see Jesus is around the age. There's some, as he goes down to to Egypt and, and to escape the, uh, the, the, uh, the murderous activity of Herod, and God moved him to safety in Egypt and then brought him back out, so somewhere around, it seems around the age of two and so on. But the next time we really see Jesus is the, at the age of 12 in our story here tonight, 
uh, there in the temple. In verse number 46, he is sitting in the temple. When they came back to Jerusalem after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, not medical doctors, but uh, rabbis, uh, scripture scholars, uh, teachers, uh, instructors. And so he's sitting there, both hearing them and asking them questions. I think I've said it before that it, it, it seemed to me that he was there conversing with them, talking with them. But uh, the, the stance that Jesus had in this moment, notice, was hearing them and asking them questions. He was hearing them and asking them questions, which I think is fascinating that the God-man is in that position in front of teachers, very humbly, hearing and asking questions. And by the way, that's a great way to go through life. It's a great way to go through life, hearing and asking questions hearing and asking questions. You see the demeanor of Jesus Christ, the God-man, right here. It's a great way to go through life as young people, hearing and asking questions. And uh, even when you get around adults, not to be ashamed to be around adults, but hearing and asking, asking questions, and that's what he did. And so he had a divine purpose that he was on earth to accomplish. He asked his parents, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? But his divine purpose for being on earth would be fully realized some years later. It wasn't right now. There was still development humanly that he was going through, the process of time. There's a lot of process of time that happens in Scripture. And we see that in different people's lives as God prepares them to do his, his will. And so Jesus is our perfect pattern, and we need to realize that. Even in this point at the age of 12, he is our perfect pattern that we need to say, hey, I want to follow this. I want to follow his, his demeanor. I want to follow his mindset and want to follow through. So this season of life would be what God was, was using, the Father was using to prepare him for a public ministry that was coming down the road. Now, did Jesus need to improve? No, he's, he's the God-man. He's perfect. But there's still this development of time, this process of time that had to be for this purpose that God had given him to come to earth and die on the cross for our sins, to, to live a perfect life, to go through every stage of life. So he could say, I was tempted in all points like as you are, and I was without sin. I was tempted as a 5-year-old. I was tempted as a 12-year-old. I was tempted as an 18-year-old. I was tempted as a 25-year-old. I was tempted in all points like as you are, without, yet without sin. And so he was, he was here on earth for a specific purpose, and that was the cross, to by our redemption. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible says in John 17 and verse number 1, it says that the, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth, and watch this next phrase, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You know, Jesus got to the end of his time here on earth and was able to say, I've finished my purpose. I've finished my purpose. And sometimes we, we think about, well, what is God's purpose for me on earth? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Well, I'll tell you, you want to get to the end of your life and be able to say with Jesus, with the Apostle Paul, I've finished my purpose. We should not be at any point in our life and be like, I, I don't understand why God has me here. Now, we have to struggle through some of those things, 
But our ears need to be open. Lord, whatever your purpose is for my life, I want to finish it. Now, Jesus would do that. He's our perfect example. And he would do that. And he'd do that through the cross, but also notice he would do it by by making God known, by helping people to understand what is eternal life, what is true, abundant, eternal life that they can have. And so we see him at this age of 12, and he is, he is there in the temple, and in this, this time frame, he is being prepared for uh, what God would use him to do here on earth, and that is to um, provide redemption for you and for I. The next time we see him is at the age of 30. The age of 30, Luke 3 and verse number 21 now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, uh, the heaven was open and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice from heaven, uh, from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee am I well pleased. All right, think about that moment. All three members of the Godhead are there. The Father speaking, the Holy Ghost descending, Jesus Christ, uh, the God-man um, being baptized by John the Baptist. The next verse is, and Jesus himself being, uh, began to be about 30 years of age, being as it was supposed, as it was supposed, the son of Joseph, uh, which was the son of uh, Heli. And so uh, as it was supposed, it wasn't, it wasn't his earthly dad, uh, his real dad. It was a stepdad. Uh, he was functioning as a dad, but God was his father. So for tonight, I want to focus on the period of time between the age of 12 and 30. What was, what was happening in Jesus' life that prepared him for what would happen at the age of 30? What was the process through that time? The Bible briefly talks to us about this time. I want us to realize every servant of God has a time of patient waiting and development. How many of you are servants of God tonight? Right? Every servant of God has times of patient waiting and development. I have written in my office, it is, it is good for, both, uh, for man to both wait, uh, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, on, um, for the salvation of the Lord, to hope and wait for the salvation of the Lord from the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. Every servant of God has times of patient waiting and development. Think of Abraham. He was promised a son many, many years before he saw that promise. Uh, think about uh, Moses. He was told that he was going to deliver the people, but it was 40 years in the backside of the desert before God brought him back, very much humbled and ready to lead the people out of, out of Egypt. Joshua served many years as the minister of Moses. You see him as a tag-along, oftentimes with, with Moses, just ministering, just being there, ministering, helping, serving um, Moses in the, in the mundane parts of life before he got to lead uh, the people of Israel. And it was in the book of Joshua, it was some time before God magnified him as the leader in front of the, the people of Israel. Even after he was set, after Moses died, there was even a period of time where, uh, where he had to wait for God to magnify him and really give him the leadership over, over Israel. David waiting to be crowned. He was anointed king. But Saul was still on the throne. That's pretty interesting. And he had to wait. I think of Peter. It was three years before he preached Pentecost. Jesus called him, come follow me. But he really didn't have the, the moment where God really used him in a powerful way until three years later, after he denied Christ, gotten right with Christ, and then the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he's used in a mighty way at Pentecost. 
3,000 people plus were saved on that day. Paul, three years on the backside of, the, uh, of Arabia. You remember on the road to Damascus, when he gets saved, he goes into Damascus and he begins to preach. After he gets his eyesight back, he begins to preach and share the word of God. And then God says, uh-uh, backside of the desert for three years, and I'm going to straighten out your theology. All the servants of God, every servant of God has times of patient waiting and development. Timothy journeyed with Paul from the age of maybe about 16. Any of you guys 16? 16? Somewhere in that age, right? You're 17. So he journeyed with Paul. Paul said, you've seen my manner of life. You've seen my doctrine. You've seen the persecutions I've been through. You've seen it all. He did that for a while before he pastored in Ephesus. Times of patient waiting and development. You know, our, our strength our faith is strengthened in those times of patient waiting. It's in those, those difficult times between the call and between it actually happening, between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. It's in that time of waiting and, and going through the mundane and the details of life that God is developing and crafting and shaping and strengthening our faith. So what can we observe from the life of Christ during this time of that development that can help us in these times where God is developing us to fully fulfill the purpose that he's given for us here on earth. I want you to notice number one, and I realize that most of us are beyond, most of us are beyond having parents that we say yes sir, uh, yes ma'am to. Uh, there are some here, right? But most of us are beyond, but let's not miss the principle of this. He was submitted to his parents. Look at verse number 51. During this time, there's no mistakes in Scripture. God gave us what we needed to know about Jesus at the age of 12 with a mom and a stepdad. He was submitted. It says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was subject unto Mary? No, unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. He was submissive. That was his his attitude was one of submission now that's a hard thing isn't it i mean any part of life you're told what to do anytime it's hard oh yeah i can think as a teenager some uh some things that uh maybe uh, maybe an adult said to me at, at some point well this this will never happen or they they made a statement and i'm like oh yeah i'll prove you wrong i i can give an illustration i used to drink mountain dew like it was going out of style like really 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 bad I mean, I, I used to drink, I would down a 12-pack of Mountain Dew in a day, and it, that's not good. Um, and I don't drink pop hardly at all anymore. I just don't, I don't enjoy it at all, but I, I'm beyond that. But uh, I once had an adult say, you'll never quit that. Oh, yeah? Right? Now, I can't say I, I, I quit it for good reasons, uh, at that moment, there was a little bit of a, you know, uh, that, that bristling streak in me, and, and, uh, and so I did end up quitting it. Um, but nonetheless, you know, sub- submission's hard. Submission's hard. You know the Bible doesn't just say, wives, submit to your husbands. It's interesting that in that same passage of Scripture, it actually says uh, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord, in respect of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? And submission's a, a, a real thing of life, and Jesus demonstrated it at the age of 12. 
That's pretty amazing. And God wanted us to know that about him. He was subject to both of them, even his stepdad. Even the one he could say, well, you're not my real dad. Right? Now, Jesus wouldn't say that, but we, we hear those types of things in, in, our, in our culture. And, and the fact is, he was submitted even to, even to Joseph. It says to them. And so, here's the perfect God-man willingly submitting himself to imperfect parents in order to fulfill God's purpose for his life. And you know, that's not far off from what God requires of us. If perfect God can submit himself to an imperfect set of parents in order to fulfill God's purpose, then we as imperfect people can submit ourselves to one another in order to fulfill God's purpose. God has given to each of us authority structures that when we submit ourselves to, we fully prepare ourselves or we help prepare ourselves to fully accomplish the purposes of God. And those authority structures are these. Number one, you're holding in your hand tonight the Word of God. The Word of God. It is our final authority for faith and practice. Jesus said, and even used the Word, He elevated the Word over Satan. Every time Satan came to Him with a temptation, He says, hey, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This is the authority, and Jesus even elevated the authority. The Word, the incarnate Word elevated the authority. That's pretty amazing. He says in the book of Psalms that he's elevated the, the, the word, his word, above his own name. So the word of God is in authority over us. We have the institution of the home, and so we have parents. And so there is an authority structure there. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The Bible urges children that it does not stop at the age of 11. Or 10, if you're in the home, God says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. But do you know the responsibility for us all to honor our parents? To honor our parents? Honor thy father and thy mother. Why? Uh, that thy days may be long upon the land is the promise. Right? It's the first commandment with promise. You want to live a long life? Honor your parents. Right? Honor your parents. And so there's the, home, the, the authority structure of the home. It's a protection. God's word is a protection. There's the authority structure of the home. But then there's civil authority in our lives, whether police or judges, etc. The Bible says, Let every man be subject, every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're told to pray for them. Why? So that we might lead, uh, lead a quiet and peaceable life but they are there as an authority a protection god says he has placed them there he's ordained them to be on to punish evildoers now we can we can get off on this and realize that 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 uh, earthly authority can go wrong in, in very many ways but god says i've set them there uh to to help the that which is good and to punish that which is evil and uh, we are to be subject as we can. Obviously, there's a balance to that. The Bible says in, uh, in the book of uh, Acts, chapter 5, uh, shall we, uh, isn't it better to obey God rather than men when we're being asked to violate the ultimate authority, which is God's, God's word. And so uh, there's civil authority, but also the, uh, the authority or the structure of the church. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles, Ephesians 4.11, and some uh, prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. What is that? For the maturing or development process. 
God has given the church body and specifically gifts to the church body to help develop the church together for to accomplish the purposes that God has given us. It's amazing all that God has provided for us in our lives to help us be ready to fulfill his purposes. And we need, to, we need to gladly submit to those. We need to gladly have that submissive spirit, the same submissive spirit that Jesus had. And just remember, this was perfect God submitting to imperfect authorities. That's amazing. And if he can, may God help us to do the same. And so, as we willingly submit ourselves, what does the Bible continue to say about Jesus? Look at verse number 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And so he was not only submitting himself to his parents, but he was developing for his purpose. This, again, was a process of 18 years of time that he was developing for his purpose. Now, the word increased here is simply to advance, to develop further. It's the idea that this was the, the process that was going on and on and on. This was not just something that happened at the age of 12, but this, this continued through this, this season of time. The word literally has the idea of to cut one's way forward. The only way I can visualize that is something developed that's cutting its way forward. Uh, uh, baby teeth, right? Uh, we talk about babies cutting, uh, cutting their teeth. Something that's developed inside the gum and is now now pushing its way through, right? And uh, it's cutting its way forward. And, and so there was, a, there was a time Jesus went through everything that every other teenager, like all the, the, the process of growth, he went through all that. He wasn't exempt from growing up. Cutting his way forward. He was increasing in all these areas. Blazing his way forward. This was a process of time. And you know there are some things that just take time. When God is developing servants, it just takes time. And we look at our lives. You know, I look at the life of Moses, and I think, well, if you had just allowed him to start leading the people out of Israel, they could have had a 40-year head start. No, there's some things that just take time. And in our lives, we, we get in our minds, okay, God, God's put on my heart to do this. That means I need to do it right now. And no, God many times says, nope, whoa, boy. It's going to be a little while before I uh, get you there. There's going to be a process of time. There's going to be a development. There's going to be a cutting the way, the way forward. So what did Jesus increase in? Well, how did he cut his way forward? The Bible says he increased in wisdom. This is, this is a mental development. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. It's taking the knowledge you have and applying it in a right way. So Jesus developed mentally. Uh, again, he didn't, have to, he didn't have to increase in righteousness. He, he didn't have to increase in any of those ways. He, he was the God-man. He was absolutely perfect. But as the God-man, he was developing as a young man in his mental development, in the way that he thought, thinking through things and, and, and applying it in a right way. Uh, he was developing in that way. Uh, he increased in stature. In stature. What does mean? He simply grew up. He was growing. He got height. Uh, he learned how to take care of himself. He was growing up physically. And uh, Jesus went all through every stage of, of life and becoming a man. I, it really does boggle me. I don't know if it does you to think of God in, in baby form. That he willingly went through that process. How humbling. 
I remember back to my teenage years. They're great years, but there's some difficulty that comes along with being a teenager, right? Yeah? There's some you know, awkward phases of, of teenage life, right? And Jesus went through that. Do you realize that? Jesus, went, Jesus was your age. And he went through that, and he did it without sin. And he's left that pattern for you and for me. And by the way, he went through his, his young adult years. The young adult years where you know, when people talk about sowing their wild oats. or, or uh, Jesus went through every bit of that. He went through every stage of development, and it says here that he developed, he developed in stature. He increased in stature. He went through that. I like to know that about Jesus. Jesus increased in favor with God. It refers to spiritual development. In other words, he cultivated a relationship with his heavenly Father. He kept a relationship with his heavenly Father. We see him praying constantly. But that didn't just start at the age of 30. He was doing that as a young man. He was aware of his responsibility to his father at the age of 12 when he was in the temple. He wasn't running around playing with all the neighborhood kids in in Jerusalem. He was aware of, of his responsibility to his father, even at that point. That's amazing. He was aware of his relationship. The Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 40, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The favor of God was upon him. And that was known to, both, uh, to his parents, to those around him. It was visible that he was increasing in his relationship with the Father. Are we? At every stage of life, whether a child or whether an adult, we need to be increasing and developing in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, just like Jesus did. And that is a process. Um, what you'll be a year from now, and your relationship with the Father is going to be dependent on the, the steps you take tomorrow, tonight. And it's a process. Uh, always stay going forward. Always be cutting your path forward like Jesus did. And then lastly, he increased in favor with man. This refers to his social development. So he was a teenager. Going through that, learning to talk and interact with people. Um, one of the reasons I, when I sh- shake hands and encourage a teenager to shake my hand and don't give me a dead fish. You know what a dead fish is? Right, no one wants a dead fish, right? Give a firm handshake, right, Brother Steve, firm handshake. Um, those things have to be learned. Uh, you don't learn that everywhere out there. Uh, but in, in, even in a church context, so some of those things have to be learned. And fathers, we teach, uh, teach that and encourage, uh, encourage that, right? Encourage growing up as an individual and learning how to interact and lo- how to look in the eye. Have you realized how many people in the world do not want to look in the eye? Right? And that is something that, that we have to learn and develop in, and, uh, and that's, those are good things. And so Jesus was increasing uh, in favor with, uh, with, with man, learning Learning to work. Did Jesus work? Yes, he did. So much so that in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3, when the people saw him and they said, is this not the carpenter? It wasn't Joseph that was, Joseph was a carpenter, but 
they recognized Jesus as a carpenter, as a man that had learned a trade. And in these years, he was developing, he was cutting his way forward, yes, even in learning a trade and providing for a family. Did Jesus just wish all the money in? Well, how did he put food on the table during those years? Right? I realized, I realized he had parents, but at, at some point along the way, the trade was for something. And he learned that trade. He developed in working with people, developed in communicating, learning how to live in this world, and uh, learning how to uh, interact, developing in those, going through the process of this. I think that we must do the same. The Bible says that the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And what does it teach us? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You know, part of our growing up is learning how to live in this world, to interact in this society, to interact in this world that is against God and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this world. Jesus didn't have to uh, learn how to live righteously, but he, he, he developed in being with people and socially. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse number 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's a pretty amazing statement. And we need to develop in these ways. So favor with God, notice, it starts with favor with God and then favor with man. Friends, we can't get those mixed up. Don't seek favor with man before seeking favor with God. You live for God first and then let the rest of it go. You live for God first. That's who you're going to answer to, according to Romans. So Jesus spent 18 years patiently developing so that he could fully accomplish his God-given purpose on earth. And maybe you're still in a time of waiting patiently. Wait on. Serve God now. Be like Habakkuk. I'll stay upon my watch. I'll stay at my post. I'll keep doing the next right thing until the Lord opens up the next door. And stay patient in that way. One uh, Bible commentator said this, thought it was helpful in, in uh, focus on this part of Jesus' life. He said, these years teach us the importance of preparation and training, the need for patience, the value of common work. They warn against the temptation to jump from spiritual birth to public ministry. They warn against the temptation to jump from spiritual birth to public ministry. Those who do not have a normal spiritual childhood and adolescence court disaster in their later life and testimony. God has you in a process for a reason. And he has something for you to accomplish in this life. Allow him to take you through the process to prepare you to fully accomplish that purpose. So what about these years of waiting in, in your life? What about those times when God burdens your heart and says, this is what I want you to do, but there's a gap of time. Allow God to prepare you. I want to make this statement. It's in the crucible of the mundane that God develops his choice of servants. It's in the crucible of the mundane that God develops his cho choice of servants. It might seem like little things. It might seem like I'm not doing anything. It might seem like, well, isn't there something bigger for me to do? God called me to something greater. It's in the crucible of the mundane that God develops his greatest servants. And so 
my question to us tonight, will you, like Jesus, submit yourself to God, to where he has you, to allow you to develop so that you can fully accomplish that purpose that he has for you? And that's really a, a question of, is your heart submitted to him, right? Uh, is your heart submitted to him? I don't like where I, ha- I am in life. God has you there for a reason. I don't like my age. God has you there for a reason. And so let's submit our hearts to the Lord even tonight before we leave. Would you bow with me for a moment here and let's just take some time to pray. And I want to give you two thoughts for prayer and then I'll, I'll leave you to, to have a, a quiet moment here. Maybe you pray something like this, Lord, help me to submit first to your word and also to those you've placed over me in my life. Help me to have that same spirit of submission that Jesus exemplified. Number two, Lord, help me to develop in every area of my life so that I can fulfill your purpose for me. Why don't you talk to the Lord? Father, as we're bowed before you here tonight, we recognize that sometimes we don't see life from your perspective. Many times we don't. And so uh, we can get really frustrated during the times of development and really even just submitting to where you have us. So Lord, I ask for your grace and your help for all of us as your children here this evening, your servants, uh, to be submitted to where you have us right now. And Lord, to allow you to develop us in every area for your greater purpose. Lord, these aren't things that we can, we can force or we can um, make ourselves do. We, we really do desperately need your help. And I'm really thankful tonight that Jesus gave such a pattern for us. It is boggling to my mind that Jesus, as the perfect God-man, would go through this process. Yet you laid down a, a pattern for us, and I give you thanks for that tonight. We give you praise, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for blazing the trail ahead of us. Help us to put these things into practice, even tonight and tomorrow, for your glory's sake and for the purpose that you've given to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.